Hey, what's up, guys? This is John Ryan Cantu, and this is Leading the Christian Leadership Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Leading Podcast. I'm your host, John Ryan Cantu, but I think I already said that. It's okay. Um, thank you so much for being here with me today. We have a great show with um, my, my friend Mike Rosas. He is an incredible guy. I mean, I, I don't even know how to describe what it is he does because he does so many things and, and you'll hear in the show, um, how he kind of balances so much. He's a, he's a, he's an entrepreneur. He's a, he's a minister. Um, he is a hero to orphans. He's got a, a nonprofit organization called Lovebot International uh, that he and uh, I believe his wife founded, and uh, so you, you'll hear a little bit about that. Um, he's just a super inspiring guy, and I know that you're going to be inspired by his story. Um, so w- let's go ahead and get into it. But first, I want to remind you of the importance of uh, ratings and reviews. If you could do that after this show, if you enjoyed the content, uh, head over to iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. That would go a long way for for the show. Um, and that's it, guys. I don't want to take any any more of this time because this is a really good interview. I think one of the longest ones that we've had, um, but I know that you're going to enjoy it. Here we go. All right. Help me welcome today's guest on the show, uh, Mike Rosas. What's up, man? How are hey, you? brother. How's it going? Good, man. Uh, thank you so much for, for coming on. I'm really honored to have you on today's uh on today's show, man. I really man, appreciate the, it. The honor's all mine. I appreciate it. I appreciated you, the work you've done, the ministry, the church, worship. You've been a, a double and triple threat, man. Thank you for oh, what man. you do for the kingdom. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. You know, I, I know you're a busy guy, man, and, and that's why I'm, I'm I'm even more honored that you <laughs> you stopped by this morning. Um because um you're you're I know I know you're you're an author, right? You author right. like two yes. books. Uh-huh. Um, I know that you're you're a speaker. You have speaking engagements. Up until recently, you were a, a pastor, right? right. Full time pastor. You're the chaplain to the Houston Rockets. Yeah. Uh, you have a uh, you have a nonprofit called Lovebot, which I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about. And uh, there's one more thing that I'm aware. Of. Oh, yeah, you're a, you own a record company, right? Right. <laughs> so right. I mean, dude, you have all you're you're like well diversified in in work. Yeah. And um, I, I kind of am too, and so like you're sure. one of the you're one of the few people that I can look at um, and, and see all that you're involved with, and then go, okay, well, I, I guess I guess this is possible. I, I guess this is normal, or maybe it's not normal, but it's like pe- people people do it because right. I'm always in my own head, like thinking, man, I can't give a hundred percent to one thing because there's all these different things that I'm involved with. Um, right. How do you, man? How do you manage all that stuff, man? That's, that's, that's a, quite the resume. <laughs> you know, I met with a mentor once, and he was a very wealthy man. He uh, he had his own business; it was very profitable. And he said, "Mike, you know, I see you doing a lot of things." And he said, "You know, I just really feel from the Lord to tell you that um, you should go uh, an inch wide and a mile deep." And so it's a it's a well known saying the idea of getting traction and really getting deep impact and you know at that time I was doing multiple things and so I felt I felt bad so I got into a car and God said although that's sound advice 
He said, that's not my advice. He said, I've called you to go a mile wide and an inch deep so that others can enter into your labor and I'm the only one who gets the glory. And so I think it's from that perspective that um, each person has to do what they're called to do, not what they want to do. I I didn't see it and think, man, that's awesome. Um, From a young age, God instructed me um, just through devotional times, praying, reading the Bible. He showed me certain passions he called me to do. And so, you know, with, with that same question, uh, there's a lot of stress that comes with it. There's a lot of tension that comes as an entrepreneur being able to, you know, juggle a lot of things. And you feel like, okay, well, you know, I can't give 100% to this. But the reality is there's a grace for it. And not everybody's called to it, but I also think a lot of times humanity limits their potential because of the past instead of the future. And they say the only way you can really, you know, you know create, the only way you can prophesy the future is by creating it. And and so I think there's this aspect, you know, I had this conversation with my wife and my wife said, Hey, you know, like you're doing a lot and I'm, I'm behind you, whatever you want to do, but just make sure from the Lord. So I said, okay. So I went, um, and I just got along with the Lord. I said, God, you got to speak to me. And God spoke very, very clearly. Uh, I can't remember the exact verse, but it's in, uh, it's in, it's in the old Testament and it's like second Kings, I think somewhere around there. Uh, but it talks about Solomon and it talks about how, um, how God told Solomon, he said, you know, you're going to have 12 provinces and one province will provide for your kingdom every month. And so God literally gave me book, chapter and verse. And, uh, I came to my wife, my wife's like, I'm on board. Let's do it. (laughs) So it's, it's awesome. But I think there is the tension of, of, you know, like, man, like I should be doing this, but I should be doing that. But, you know, we also think, you know, anything God calls us to do, there's always a forerunner in scripture. And so Jesus talks about the parable where, um, where the king is talking to the people that are stewarding his cities. And there's a gentleman who's stewarding five cities. And the king said, you know, because you've done well, I'm going to give you five more. Right. He didn't say, Hey, because you've done well, I'm going to take away four and just let you focus hundred percent on one. Yeah. So I, I think there's an aspect to our potential that we haven't dived into because we're afraid of how people will judge us or ability to not necessarily multitask, but to be able to to steward multiple things. Right, Right. that's good. But, you know, the secret of the billionaire is that they have multiple streams of income. That's exactly right. And, And so, again, it's about having a strong base um, that you're able to provide for your family and everyone put your family at risk. So what I did was I got, I got my ministry, which is my primary calling. Mm-hmm. I got it to the place where I could provide for my family. And then because of some business investments, I was able to build into where I'm currently at yeah. now. Yeah, man, that's, that's so good. I mean, you're speaking my language, man. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I think, you know, for me, um, I get in my own head sometimes because I think we've been inculcated with this mm-hmm. mindset that, I mean, you should just do one thing. Like we, we, we hear that there's another saying that says, um, uh, uh, referring to a person, he's a jack of all trades, right. a, a master of none, mm-hmm. right? And so sometimes I'm thinking, man, am I am I just a jack of all trades and a master of none? Um, and, and so that kind of creates a little bit of of uh, I don't know, so a little bit of anxiety. Like, right. oh, man, I, I want to. I think it would be easier if I were just a hundred percent in in one thing, or if all the things that I was in complemented one another. Like, if I was just in a whole bunch of different areas, but it was all ministry, right? Okay, that that'd be easy. But I'm in ministry. I have. Um, I'm in business. I have some mm-hmm. business investments. Um, I'm trying to build our, our nonprofit. I'm trying to build now this this uh, this podcast, podcast right? Correct. So it's like all these different things that they don't they don't even complement each other. And um, like for me, I can I can spend you know 100 percent of the day thinking about one thing. Like right. and it's usually the church uh, yeah. as a pastor. And and I'll get home at the end of the day and I'll kind of feel guilty because like man, I didn't I didn't put anything into the Go Movement. I didn't mm-hmm. put anything into the podcast. And and um, so so now that kind of suffer so and 
I, I think I think systems, processes, mm-hmm. people, all of that is is something that's really going to be to your advantage. Um, sometimes um, I, I guess we, we have that lack of, of resources, though. So, like, right. I don't know if you could give any advice, like, to someone who's just getting started in entrepreneurship, and and they that's that's kind of them. Like, that's mm-hmm. when when you're an entrepreneur, that's like that's all you can be. Like, right. I feel like I can't be anything else. Like, this, right. this, that's who I am. Um, but entrepreneurship also comes with a lot of seasons of just being broke and mm-hmm. and just not having any resources or all your resources are are, are tied up. Um, so how, how can you kind of get to that next level when I guess all your resources are dried up? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think part of that, it, it all starts with the inception. And so I think we've taken a lot of um, talks, a lot of sayings, a lot of experiences, and we've built them up to this place of thus saith the Lord, when the reality, they're not one and the same. I, I'm working on my third book I hope to launch in 2020. Nice. Um, there's a saying, you know, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. Yeah. It's a cute saying, but God never said it. Yeah. <laughs> what God said is, I desire true religion right. in James one twenty seven, And what we see absent from the church right now is what God said he desires in James one twenty seven. So it's from that perspective. Um, you look at, I, I was meeting with a pastor and uh, a very successful pastor had just launched a new ministry and he was offered the ability to, to be executive director over a, you know, just a very powerful nonprofit. And he said, Mike, I'm really struggling with it because Paul said, I do this one thing. I said, I understand, but Paul said, I do this one thing. That one thing was Christ. So everything we do should be connected to that stream. Yeah. I said, but Paul was a minister and a tent maker. Yeah. I said, so even though he did this one thing, he did multiple things that fed into that one thing. So uh, the reality is that we have to we have to prepare ourselves in such a manner that we are mentally understanding what we're going to do. I believe you should always have your family should not have to worry where their next meal is. Yeah. So you want to get one thing that you are proficient and successful at. Yeah, I, I didn't launch four things. I did one thing for several years until I got it to the place where I could be excellent and the best I could be at it. But the reality is, is we have to open ourselves to think, okay, what if God wants to do something else through me? I'm not going to limit God by saying, oh, no, God, you only called me to do this. There's so many people that use their title as their limitation. They say, well, you know, I'm a prophet. I'm an evangelist. I'm this, that, and the other. Can I tell you, when you're in war and your commanding officer says he needs you to do something else, the only choice you have is say, sir, yes, sir. And so it's, it's this understanding of the potential of what we can do if we weren't limited by our past experiences. So what's worked for me is, is I did my first ministry, and I got to the point where I was excellent at it. Um, I, I, I talked to a pastor friend of mine, and he said, when you wake up at 2 a.m. in the morning, what do you think about? The, the, the idea there is that when you wake up in the middle of the night, what you're thinking about is your true passion. And so my response to him, because he knew I was doing multiple things and he was trying to help me straighten myself out. And so my response to him was, depends what day of the week. And his response was, good answer. (laughs) Because we are given, and the reality is Hmm. some jobs, some corporations don't take 24 hours. Some are seasonal. Some work in different ways, forms, and fashions. So because of that, God allows us, if we are open and if we're called, to steward those things. So I started with the foundation of the ministry, which is my first calling, my lifelong calling. Then I began to build off of that. I began to use, I have a background in marketing. I worked with New Balance for a couple of years. I did freelance for Nike and Adidas. And and so I took that, and uh, I had a friend offer a uh, offer a business position. He said, hey, man, I know you excel in this. Would you come and work with me? So I said, yeah. I said, but instead of pay, I want ownership. 
And so he brought me on. And so we worked together for a season and then we kind of split ways after that, but he bought me out of the company. When he bought me out of the company, I had the seed money to then start my record label. So the idea is what God only asks us, use what's in your hand. I, I, I went to Monterey, Mexico uh, with my wife. My wife was born in Monterey. And so we went there, and there was this homeless guy. And it so touched my wife's heart because he had this little cardboard makeshift table, and he was selling three crayons, two pens, and four markers. He could have easily been at the corner just trying to beg for money, right. but he used what was in his hand to make himself a better life. And that's all the Lord asked of us. Yeah. Oh, man, that's that's so good. That's that, that's so that's so um profound and and, and uh i see the I, I see that in different countries that i visited too i mean mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of people that are they're not out there begging because you know life life sucks you know yes. they're 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 trying to make the the most of 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 what they have um in tanzania cuz we were you know that's that's kind of where we're working in the go movement um there's this uh, there's this little shop this little market on on friday on friday afternoons and we stopped by there and um basically there was this guy with a, a bunch of like tires, uh, rubber tires, and he was cutting them up, and he was making shoes. Yeah. Oh, yes. uh, and he was just you know taking some some type of string and, and you know putting them together to so that you can tie them. But um, I was like, man, what what a what a neat trick, you know? Yeah. But like he's 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 out there and he's thinking maybe he doesn't have a lot of resources, but he's he's using whatever he has um, to the best of his ability, and and eventually that'll lead to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I think that's all we can really hope for is is just trying to elevate even if it's like inch by inch you know mm-hmm. i think a lot of times people try to they just try to get way up you know um way up in the sky um catapult themselves up there but uh, you know sometimes it's a it's a slower process um which is which is i think very um very good for me to kind of remember uh, and be reminded of because sometimes i i get in my own head i'm like man this is taking so long this is um, but it, it, it's a it's a slow game. Well, you know? and you know, so many times as believers, um, we aren't educated in the ways of, of being an entrepreneur. And yeah. so, what happens is that we, you know, we we get our we get it stuck inside ourselves, and we're not created, we're not built up in the same way to be able to accomplish what being created to accomplish. Yeah. Well, one of the things I've heard is is it God or is it good? Right. And so, it's the definition of okay, is this a me idea or is this a God thing? But the reality is, we've given up on God things because they're not good. And so, there's so many people that you know Bible says don't despise small beginnings yet everybody despises small beginnings yeah. you know one of the things um my wife who's so brilliant we were we were spending some time together and she told me she uh, she was reading this this story of uh, Jesus coming and healing um the the young girl that was that was dead and so uh Jesus comes in there and and they already have this they already have this assembly of uh you know funeral procession they already have people that are going to they're going to do the parade and play the music yeah. and, and it says there was it says there was a flute player and so my wife turns to me and she was like I wonder how many times we've been the flute player in the funeral procession of our own dreams mm-hmm. so many times we talk about oh haters and this that, and the other yeah. but how many times have we been the chief haters in our own oh, lives oh yeah absolutely and, and so, so i think it's just understanding if we prepare ourselves that it's going to be a long journey that it's going to be hard but if we overcome that then we have the ability to do great things yeah. jack ma the the billionaire ceo so there's people that are doing what you want to do that are less experienced than you are but they're doing it because they started right and so so many of us now, of course, we have to get the confirmation this is the direction the Lord wants us to go into, but we have to understand there's a great anointing and grace 
And there's as great anointing and grace in business as they're in ministry. Right. I did chapel with the Rockets once, and I can't remember who we were playing, uh, but we, we had a larger crowd that day. And I told them, I said, if you if you think, you know what, I'm going to please the Lord, I'm going to quit right now, and I'm going to become a pastor, preacher, prophet, evangelist. I said, God is not going to be more pleased with you. I said, God is pleased with obedience, not with titles. Mm-hmm. If he's called you to be an NBA player, if he's called you to be an entrepreneur, do it with all your heart. If he's called you to be a minister, do it with all your heart. God does not honor titles. He honors obedience. Man, that's so Good. Man, that's why you're the Rockets champion. Man. <laughs> uh, that man, that's so, that's so good, man. I really appreciate all that, and and um, I, w- I want to kind of get a little bit more into your your background. I mean, I, okay. I don't I don't know too much about mm-hmm. uh, microsis back, back in the day. You know, yes. I, I don't know what what made you who you are um, today. Was there anything? Um, maybe an event in your life or, or like a specific calling that you remember that, that yeah. took place? Yeah, for sure. You know, from the age of six to the age of 21, I developed a speech impediment known as stuttering. Um, so I, I went to um, I, I went to school and I, I hated school with a passion. The reason was because I got I got bullied. You know, in first grade, my teacher asked me to stand up. She mocked how I stuttered and uh, and the whole class laughed at me. And so it was uh, it was these points that I literally couldn't speak two sentences without stuttering. There were very um, moments that had the potential of breaking me down. Uh, the number one thing I stuttered with was my name. What do you think is the first question you're asked in your life? Oh, yeah. What is your name? Yeah. And so, um, but in that time, God was so gracious where God says, if you trust me, I'm going to use you to speak on stages throughout this whole earth. And so through that, through the dependence upon God, I began to find what was my purpose. So inside of my purpose, um, I, I do some life coaching. I created this thing called a triangle of purpose. So triangle of purpose is basically something that defines how we were created. A lot of times we can think, well, it was by circumstance. Maybe, you know, maybe a man raped your mom and that's how you were born. And you think because of how I started, that's going to define how I am. But your beginning does not dictate your end. So what happens is when you begin to understand, you understand Psalms 139, that God knit you in your mother's womb, regardless of the circumstances surrounding it, you were still created with greatness in mind. And so I talk about what you love. For me, I loved seeing people discover their purpose. When people win, I love it. Even if it's not my win, even if I don't know them, I get excited and I celebrate. Even if it's my enemies, I get excited when they walk into their dreams. So that was that was a directional point for me to understand that in what I did, there would be some intermingling of that. Mm-hmm. But then inside a triangle of purpose is also what do you hate? What are you so passionate about that it arises feelings of anger inside of you? And for me, I hated when people didn't understand their purpose. I hated when people didn't understand why they were created. One of my one of my best friends again, I stuttered, and so I had these two friends in fifth grade, Craig and Jason. So Craig and Jason were they were awesome guys. Uh, I would talk, and it would take me a long time to talk, but they wouldn't laugh and they would listen. And so they were very very impactful friends of mine. So uh, fifth grade after fifth grade, Craig ended up moving away. Me and Jason and kind of lost touch through middle school and high school we saw each other again and so in 10th grade um, I, I saw Jason. I, I, just, I felt from Holy Spirit I should talk to him. He had changed a lot. Never really fit in. Was trying to fit in and never got that space. Mm-hmm. And so I felt from the Lord, but I was so afraid and ashamed to stutter that I, I never reach out to him. Um, so that summer, my mom comes by with community newspaper says, "Hey, did you know this guy?" Big black bold letter says Jason commits suicide. Oh, and his suicide. No, he said, "I'm saying goodbye to the world because nobody cares anyway." And so it it. it it awakened this understanding is that even though my voice was broken, it had power. And so God began to teach me that you have two options. It can become a breakdown or a breakthrough. 
Yeah. And so inside of the what you love and what you hate, the, the really the pillar of that is what are you good at? Because you can love something and hate something, but if you're not good at it, the reality is people aren't going to pay you for what you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As I was stuttering, I struggled in school. I hated school. I got depressed. Um, I, I had a vibrant relationship with the Lord in middle school, but I just hated school. And so I had this spirit of dread over me. I just hated going around, but I had this teacher that reached out to me. I was failing seventh grade. I was playing the basketball team. I got kicked off the team because I was failing. And my teacher comes up to me and says, hey, I want to put you on something that's called a pentathlon team. It was a team of smart kids. I said, miss, I'm going to make you look really bad. And she was like, no, I think you can do great at this. So I said, am I going to get graded? And she said, no, you're not going to get graded. So I said, okay, well, let's do it. <laughs> so she said, all you need to do is read this book. It's called Our Town. It's a book you read in middle school, most public schools. So I, 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 I get the book, and she said, in two months, we're going to take a, a test with the schools in the region, and uh, based on that, you'll place and things like that. You'll get points for your team. So I, I went I went six weeks going through the book, and I, I never read it. So my teacher comes. She says, hey, the test is in two weeks. Did you read the book? I said, no, I didn't read the book. I can't lie to you. Yeah. <laughs> so she comes back. She comes back the, the, the Friday night. It was a Saturday morning test. Doesn't say a word. Just hands me a, a VHS videotape. Shows you how old I am. <laughs> so that night, I got a call to play basketball i left the video behind i was like i'm not getting graded who cares you know i'll get a multiple choice test i'll put abracadabra and yeah. you know make my way through it so i get there and, and they give you two questions and they say based off one of these two questions you have to write a three-page essay so I look at the two questions, and I kind of just fumble my way through it. I kind of imagine the story. I put it together. I put it down on paper. And so I turn it in. So afterwards, they're going through the points, and they're handing out medals. Turns out I got a second in the region in a book I had never read on a three-page essay. Why? Because I learned there was a gifting inside of me. I took context clues, and I created a story and communicated a message. Do you know what I do now for a living? I take context clues, I create a story, and I communicate a message. So in, in who we were created, in my time of struggling, of stuttering, God said, your voice matters. Even though it seems broken, your voice is valuable. Even though you're stuttering, people need to hear what you have to say. So now what we do, I, I preach and I communicate. But even more so, we launched a, a marketing company, which is a great case study. Uh, we launched a marketing company um, in last September. The first six months, we only got one client. Part of what life teaches you as an entrepreneur is that it wants to knock the quit out of you. Because if you're going to succeed, the way our minds are created, we can't have two plans. We can't have plan A and plan B because your mind is going to recede to the easiest plan. So until you get out of that, Jacob, in the the time where he was struggling with with the angel, the pre-incarnate, um, you know, vision of God, what happened was until Jacob said, I'm not leaving you until you bless me. Then God said, I can bless you. And there's so many entrepreneurs that are, or that are want to give up. And God is saying, I, I can't bless you if you want to give up. The Israelites died in the wilderness because they couldn't be trusted in the promised land when they would hit giants and all these other struggles. So we went six months and only got uh, only got one client. Within the last three months, we've gotten 15 new clients. So what happens is that once you get through this place of, of, of refining processes, yeah. of strengthening yourself, of understanding what it takes to succeed, then you have the platform to go to the next level. So many people want to be those overnight successes. Yeah. And the reality, even, even the behind the scenes of overnight successes, it took years to get to that place of success. Right. Yeah, and people, I mean, it's so easy to quit. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like you said, it's so easy to quit, and, and, and especially when things get tough. And I don't think people realize that um, their breakthrough is – is on the other end of, of that 
of that struggle. And um, if they just hold on a little bit longer and they're determined, I think that's one thing that we um, we don't see as, as much as maybe we used to is, mm-hmm. is, is uh, that state of being determined. Like, right. I'm just not going to quit. I'm, I'm just going to keep on going. And I've, I've really tried, like, for, for my life personally, um, if, if there's one quality th- that I could speak to that I think is one of my biggest strengths is I'm just I'm just determined I'm just, yes. I'm determined and there's a difference between being determined and being stubborn right, right for sure. um but I I and, and I, I tell my wife all the time like okay we're we're not we're not where this needs to be yet but we're gonna we're gonna keep going we're gonna yeah. we're determined like we we can't especially if you know it's a call especially if you know God's calling you to that to the other end mm-hmm. like who are we to to quit right you know, who are we to say oh God it's 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 not going to happen. Even though you you called me to to make it happen, it, it's just not going to happen. So I'm going to quit. Um, I, I think uh, I think we need to we just need to be more determined and right. and, and, and persevere. Um, those were those were great examples that you uh, that you gave. I want to I want to ask you about the the life coaching. So you've been doing that um, for how for how long? You said that was... I, I've been doing it for several years. Okay. Um, 2019, we're actually putting a brand to it. We launched a marketing company. It's just a little bit easier to do things in house. Um, so what it's called, it's called revolutionary living. And the, the idea is dream design and execute. Um, I think there's not enough people who dream and when you don't dream, you have nothing to design. So we have a lot of people that are creating businesses based off copying other businesses. And the reality is there's no value in the organic nature that God created us for greatness. So the idea is dream design and execute because after you design, I I think that's where 90% of the people fall off. They don't execute. And to be great in life, you have to execute. I, I work with professional athletes. I work with, with high achievers, um, you know, people that are multimillionaires in business. And what you see is they execute. They dream. They understand there's a future they don't currently have, but they want to create. And then they put their plans on paper. You know, Habakkuk, they talk about making the vision, writing the vision down, making it plain. And then they go and they follow it out. And so it's, it's these thousand steps of following it out that there's no beauty in step number 12 or step number 360. 72 or step number 495 but once you get to a thousand step then you understand man this is incredible and people ask man how did you do this in reality it was a thousand little steps there was no really huge step other than starting yeah so i i think i think you would really help with the execution right Mm -hmm. of of the dreaming i I think that i think a lot of people have a hard time um waking up Mm -hmm. from that dream they they have the dream right and and they have the vision they're like oh man this could be this and i I can do this and this is where i see myself um but sometimes it's like okay well what's the first step that was me for a very long time i was this huge dreamer when i was a when i was a a teenager and i had no i mean you asked me how it was gonna happen i had no idea i just (laughs) i just saw the end result and then when i became an adult and and life you know got real um I had a tough time transitioning from that right. that dream to making it a reality. So, how do you help people kind of wake up from that dream and say, "Okay, you have this dream, you have this vision. Now it's time to start working towards it." Right. Well, th- this is the first generation that doesn't need their parents to teach them how to tie a tie, change a tire, put on makeup. Mm-hmm. YouTube and the yeah. internet teaches us all those things. Right. So because we have all these resources at our hands, um, it's not about losing the older generation because we need their wisdom, yeah. but it's about taking advantage of what we have. So for myself, and, and much like you too, we love podcasts, but as a person who, who stuttered um, growing up, the Lord was very gracious and he gave me a passion for reading books. So even to 
today I, I read I read one book every one to two weeks. I, I have a I have a library of hundreds of books. I have more value in my library than I do in my closet. Um, they, they, they did a study over sixty percent of homes uh, with a value with a net worth of over two hundred fifty thousand. Over sixty percent of homes have libraries. So the idea is you have to get education, you have to get resources, you have to strengthen yourself. The second thing is understanding that it may take a thousand steps to succeed, but you don't have to do all thousand steps in one day. I challenge people. I say there's 52 weeks in a year. If you do three things a week, three things a week, that's 156 objectives you've accomplished towards your business, ministry, nonprofit, fill in the blank. So it's about taking these bite-sized pieces and doing those small steps and just executing. Because there's something about you know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of promotion going on on social media about waking up early. And can I tell you, I, I wake up every morning at five a.m. I wake up, I hit the gym, I spend, I, I try to spend a couple hours with God, and then I start my business pursuits. Because before everything else, I'm, I'm somebody who loves the Father. I love being in His presence. So it's not about making a dollar; it's about making my Father proud. And so it's from that perspective, when you wake up early, you, you already feel successful. Because I wake up early, and I have a wife who works hard managing our, our love bot. Um, and she manages 12 full-time employees, nine full-time employees, three part-time employees. She manages the governmental thing. So she's doing all this, all while raising our two beautiful daughters, Allie and Camila, six and two. And so I'm waking up early, because if I don't get into the gym before they're awake, if I have to choose between the gym and my family, I'm going to give my family the, the right. So waking up at five, you get the opportunity to have a starting line before everybody else. Could you imagine running a hundred meter race where you have a two hour advantage? What are the chances? Oh, you win? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, it, there's going <laughs> to be a pretty good, good chance. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it's these things about making small successes. They talk about starting with, with fixing your bed, little things like that, that build up this understanding of success. So even though things may be falling apart, if I if I can make a couple of shots in in basketball, um, they, they tell the players go in take take some fifteen footers, take some ten footers, take some layups, so that your mind begins to process that you can succeed at this objective. That way, the more you stretch yourself, your mind already has the projected path of success, right. thinking I've already done it, so I can do it again. Right. Man, that's so good. Yeah, and that, that, that's kind of going back to uh, my, my earlier point about just little little elevations, yes. little mm-hmm. inches of elevation. That is so good because it it, it also does something like mentally. It mm-hmm. it, 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 it tells you like okay, um, it, it's like an item that you can check off your, yes. your to do list. My, my wife, she loves to do list. Yes. Like if I, if I have to-do a to do list, then I can I'll feel accomplished because. Uh, she says, "I love xing things out. Mm-hmm. I, I love you know because it, that's an accomplishment, right? Um, and I think that's really really helpful. Just little things that that'll take you to to the end result. Um, that that really it, it does a lot. Um, as opposed to like, because I th- there would be times where I'd be in my office and I'm thinking, man, this this little task isn't going to do anything. This little task is it's not going to lead to where it needs to be. And I could do it, sure, but it's and I spend more time um, or I spent." Uh, I spent more time just kind of grumbling and comp- complaining yes. um, than actually doing anything. But yeah, those little steps, man, they 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 really do matter. Um, really good, man. Uh, do, do you ever encounter people that? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if I don't know if this would be uh, an issue, but do you ever encounter like clients who they they don't really have a, a clear cut like vision or or dream? Yes, yes. You know, I, I think a lot of people have a kind of a vision a grand vision it's almost like they can see the 
wide aspect of what success looks like, but they don't necessarily know the, the steps. And so I, I love working with people like that. Because as long as you know what the end goal looks like, then the steps, it's not always one plus two equals three. Yeah. And so I think when they have this flexibility to, okay, I know where I want to get. I just don't know how I want to get there. Then that gives us the opportunity to partner with them. I love how the scriptures say we have the mind of Christ, not I, you, me, he, or she. There's a we complex that we have to go in understanding. When Jesus prayed to the Father, if anybody could have could have had this direct access it was it was Jesus right. but Jesus starts out the prayer with our father right. and so there's this benefit I, I love how the Jews I heard from this rabbi he said he said a lot of times we miss out on the business concepts concept comes from the a woman conceptualize a woman conceiving so what happens is it takes two people to conceive so a lot of times why people fail at business or at dreams is because they never conceive with somebody else they keep the dream to themselves but when you share it to somebody else the bible talks about the benefit of working with somebody else that it's harder to to make two people fall than it is to make one so this is understanding of when it, when i begin when i can become vulnerable enough to share my dream with somebody yeah. else it doesn't make it weaker it makes it stronger yeah. oh but they may still obey that may they may this or that the reality is there's a vision inside of you that god has given nobody else and nobody can succeed like you can at that vision and yeah. calling yeah i love how you said vulnerable because mm-hmm. uh, a, a lot of people are vulnerable when they're yes. when when they're sharing their um their vision or their dreams with other people and i think a lot of people just don't they, they don't do it yeah and so they're afraid and that's i think that's the point where you just kind of decided that you're never going to wake up. It's always going to be a dream because if you don't talk to anyone else about it, then you're really probably not even putting yourself out there and you're probably not, you're not, you're not working towards it. Um, and and, and so I, I try to tell people the other day, actually, um, last week we were on vacation, my wife and I, and I just had to sit down when we were having a dinner and I wanted to kind of go deeper past like Mm -hmm. the small, you know, the small talk conversation at at, at the dinner table. And, um, I, I just asked her, babe, what, what are your, uh, what are your dreams right now? Like, what, what are you currently um, thinking about? What, what are your current goals? I realized that I hadn't asked her that in, in such a long time yeah. because I think that's a question that we ask right. um, when we're dating. Right. Because okay, well, let me let me get to know you, and if I if I can support your dreams, then okay, we can take it to the next step. But I think people people change, mindsets yes. change, um, callings, you know, they, they they get elevated, and so I realized that I hadn't so asked her that question in such a long time. I think a lot of times we we also focus on our kids, the, yeah. the dreams of our kids. What do you want to do when you grow up? What mm. what, what are you thinking about? Um, but our spouses are, are still alive and well, and they're yes. still people. So I asked her that question, and um, I was just really surprised by by her answers. Like I, I felt like. Man, I, I I can't believe I didn't know this about right. my wife of uh, of seven years, you know. Right. Um, but but the, it, it's it's that process of just kind of extracting that 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 vision and that, those dreams um, out of her that I wanted to get to because I, I wanted to let her know, like, hey, whatever you're thinking about right now, whatever you're dreaming about, I want to I want to support you. Yeah, yeah, I want I want to make it you know a, a reality. And um, and so you know a lot of people. I, I don't know if that she would have shared that with me if I didn't ask because she always <laughs> she always criticized me for. A, she always says I don't like telling you everything because when I tell you something, then you push me all the time to yes. to get it done. I can I can understand how that could be a, annoying, <laughs> <Yes>. but uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think a lot of people they just don't they don't uh, freely express yeah. their their dreams, and I, I think we um, you know the people around them. I think we should practice this this uh, this gift of discernment you know if we if we see something in people we should we should try to call it out you know because sometimes 
uh, they might be intimidated, they might be insecure, and, and so they won't do it themselves. And that's uh, going back to your earlier point. There's a lot of power in our in our words. Yes. Um, I mean, I mean, we can we can be the difference between someone's um, deployment and someone's abandonment. You know, mm-hmm. and, uh, that's so good. and and so I think we just need to be able to speak life into people. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. That's, yeah. It sounds like that's what you love to do. You love to bring out people's purpose and, and callings. You know, it's funny, my youth pastor, I was probably about 14, um, he gave me this prophetic word and he said, he said, um, you know, your calling is going to be to help people discover their callings. And so at that point, you know, I was 14 year old, I couldn't conceptualize it, but it's, it's what life coaching is. I I believe, um, you know, whenever God created in Genesis, he said, it is good. So it's not like when God created men and women that, that he got weaker. So everything God creates is good. So I believe because you're created in the image of greatness, it's part of your DNA. So everybody has some value. It doesn't mean everybody will start a business or lead a ministry, but it does mean that everybody has value. Everybody has worth inside of them. And so one of my passions is pulling that value out because I believe the closest we'll ever get to a utopian society here on earth is having people walk into their destinies. Yeah. And so I'm very very passionate about using my voice. I mean, for 15 years, I couldn't talk for 15 years. I was quiet. There was people that thought that, that I had, um, I had mental problems because I was so quiet because I was so afraid to speak. And so, um, God healing me has given me the passion to use my voice in every platform, every way that I can. Because these these people have value. I'm speaking at a camp next week for for the foster children of Houston, and I go out there and I go crazy because I know what these kids are going through. I've heard their stories. I've sat with them. I've shared tears with them. I know this may be the only week because of incredible ministries like Love Fosters Hope. This may be the only week where they get where they get destiny spoken into, them, where they get love and passion, and and they're excited about their their dream. So every year, this is my fifth year doing the the camp every year i just i i I spend that time just casting vision and trying to bring out that gold whether it's on the platform speaking to the whole group or having individual times throughout the course of the day because i i know um, I, I know in retrospect what I believe would have kept my friend alive. And again, one never knows. Hindsight is twenty twenty. But if he would have known his destiny, if he would have known that he had a father who loved him, if he would have known that, there, that his tomorrow had a better chance of being better than his yesterday, then maybe he would have gave life a second chance. Yeah. And so that's my passion is to help introduce people into their destiny, Christian and non-Christian alike. Because my idea, my understanding is that if a non-Christian can understand that they were created with purpose, then they begin to see the divine design behind them that if you see the divine design you have to understand that there's a designer somewhere and so it's this you know it's this pre-discipleship discipleship yeah 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 so good man um i think the first step um to anyone having like a vision is first realizing that they have a purpose right Mm -hmm. because i think when you get to a point where you think i have no purpose well that's when you get to kind of like the end of the line and and there's no there's no hope and and um, unfortunately, we see a lot. We see a lot of that. We, you know, we see a lot of, um, especially teenage, you know, suicides. Who yeah. they they just reach this point where like, well, I, what's the point? What's yeah. what's my purpose? So I think, um, us being able to let them know that hey, you were you were created, you know, with 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 a purpose mm. in mind. Um, and then once we get past that, I see a lot of people, and I don't think um, I don't know how beneficial this will be to our audience because I think if anyone's listening to this podcast, I think they. You know they're they're trying to go somewhere. That I think there's a little bit of a vision, um, but some people don't have mm-hmm. vision. Some people don't. They're not dreaming about anything. They're just kind of living day by day by day, just trying to 
kind of get get through life and and um maybe they haven't really or maybe there is something there but they haven't really given it a lot of thought maybe they're right. just giving so much of themselves to their family to their kids that they haven't really realized that hey I, I was created for more. Um, how do you kind of get people to to kind of make that that leap? Okay, yeah. they they might know. Okay, well, may, yeah, maybe I have a purpose, you know, but um, they can't kind of they can't really tie the purpose to their to their dream or to their vision. Right. Well, one of the things I try to do is I ask questions. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's this process of discovery that I think allows us to better see the creator. And especially, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, I, I think a lot of times we've heard about, you know, understanding the power of the grace and the giftings God give us. I think we've missed out on the fact that your greatest gifting is usually your strongest attack before it becomes your greatest purpose. Um, for me, from the age of 60 to 21, I stuttered. So the enemy was constantly attacking my voice. Why? Because he knew that eventually, if he didn't break me, I would use my voice to break him. And so I think a lot of people are struggling because they think there's this little glimmer of hope that they have this gifting, and they don't understand why this overwhelming onslaught attack is coming against them. It's because the enemy has more faith in them than they have in themselves. That's true. That's true. I, I, I talk about the next generation, millennials and Gen Z, and, uh, and the Lord gave me this, this revelation of how he works for them. That there's always forerunners that the Bible gives us so we can understand how God's going to work in the next yeah. seasons. In the, uh, in the Old Testament, Moses arises, deliver arises. What happens? Pharaoh kills all the children under the age of two. But God protects Moses. Fast forward a few thousand years. You have the ultimate deliverer. Jesus Christ comes. And what happens? Herod kills all the children under the age of two, yet God preserves him. So fast forward a few thousand more years. You have the highest level of abortion in the history of the world. Why? Because not a deliverer is arising, but a generation of deliverers are arising. And what we see is the enemy has more faith in the next generation than the next generation. And mark my words, sadly, sometimes even the church has hope in the next generation. So sometimes we have to understand the attack enlightens us to the purpose. Mm. That's so good. That is so good. Rewind the last like minute. To listen to <laughs> yes. that again. Uh, yeah, when, when there is an attack, I, that should draw our attention to um, ask ourselves a, a really important question. Maybe, maybe this is being attacked for a reason. Yes. Maybe maybe there's something here. Maybe there's something significant there that's being attacked that I should I should probably place more significance on. Yeah. Uh, man, that's that's so good. Preach, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Man. <laughs> um, I want I to ask you real quick. I mean, since we're on the topic of a vision. I want to kind of direct it to to church vision. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know how. I don't know how many churches place importance on mm-hmm. on a vision for their for their ministry. And um, you know, I, I recently got elected as the uh, you know the the lead pastor here at our church. Yes. Um, after yeah, after three years of of serving as a pastor, uh, you know, for 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 the English ministry, but now I'm I'm over both mm-hmm. you know both ministries here. And so you know, there's there's new there's new vision. Um, coming in and and which means you know a little bit of a change a little bit of transition for sure um but i mean how important is is organizational vision yes Um, because i I think we've been talking a lot about you know personal vision stuff like that but what about what about in in, in like corporate vision Um, is that is that equally important yes you know john maxwell says uh, you know if if you're 
if you're moving forward and, and you're not leading anybody, you're just taking a walk. Mm. And so it's important to to take people with you. I, I've heard it said, you know, if you if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, take somebody with you. And so it's this understanding what we do internally. We create a book of for every company we have. Right now, we steward four organizations. Our nonprofits are, uh, are, we have a nonprofit called Uprising Society, which is, uh, we have an incubator that we help nonprofits, you know, bring there in a nine month course, take their, you know, take their idea from concept to storefront. And then we have Lovebot International, which is our ministry for the orphan and the poor. And then we have our, our two for profits, which are Revolution House Records, the record label. And we have a marketing company called Discovery Marketing Group. So what we do for each book, for each company, um, we create a book and the book has processes. The book has the organizational structure. The book has the vision. So if you have any questions, this is like our, this is, this is our constitution. This is what it, now you can take it in any way possible, backward, forward, left or right, but you stay within these within these confines because right. this is the vision. So we may have the opportunity to do a you know a restaurant, but just because we have the opportunity doesn't mean we do it because it doesn't fit in the confines of the vision. So what we do at that point, if it is a viable business structure, we do one of two things: we we seek the Lord and say, God, should we do this? If not, we try to sell it or give it to somebody else. Say this is a great idea. You run with it. But we have to be obsessed not only with our culture but with our vision because what I've seen is people will take bits of vision and will go in their own direction. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a strong leader that sets the organizational vision to say, hey, this is the way we're going. This is is what the promised land looks like. This is a general amount of time what it's going to take, and this is what it's going to look like across the journey. So taking that time to walk them through, not just, hey, this is the beginning, that's the end, but having those milestones okay we hit 10 clients okay we hit you know our first orphanage opening our first school opening fill in the blank taking those times to reimagine the vision to remind of the vision and to reassess of the vision taking the team through it but also giving the space for their voices i tell everybody i say if you're working at this company everybody has a place at the table but the best ideas float to the top so don't get hurt if your idea isn't chosen and it's through it's through that thinking that we're taking it's it's our business because I want them to take ownership. Yeah, of ownership. I, you know, I, I I don't want them spitting behind the desk. I don't want them doing things that aren't you know that, that aren't that aren't best case scenario for the companies. Yeah. Uh, one of my goals in having multiple businesses is I always try to I put a great focus on the goal. I work as hard as I can on the business until I can get it a full time employee. At that time, when I have a full time employee, now I can have somebody to co labor with me and to take the vision. So even if I can't, I understand the struggle completely. Man, I went I went I went this whole week and I didn't focus on this. So my goal is I'm the visionary leader. If I can have somebody being a managing leader, then I I know something is being done every single day because at this point, I've created a platform where all our four companies, they intermix. Mm -hmm. We, We can have an event for Lovebot where Microsis of Uprising Society will speak, and then we'll have Roland or, or Ashley Stringer come perform, and the marketing company will create the graphics and the website and the flyer yeah. for it. Yeah. So all the companies work together. So that, that, that's part of my goal because we can take one admin and the admin can steward all four businesses. We can take one designer and the designer can work for all the businesses. Mm-hmm. So it's the idea of stewarding what's in your hand. But if they don't understand it, 
when our people come in, we take them through all the HR processes, but then we take them through through getting them getting them on course. Yeah. Hey, you work for X business, but ABC is part of it, so you're going to have some interaction with them. Yeah. If they don't understand that, they're going to be like, "Man, I work for X company. Well, why am I doing stuff for this?" Well, if you don't, if you don't understand that everything we do is based around helping the lost find Christ and helping the orphan and the poor get a chance, then, then this other stuff is going to make sense because it's not about making money; it's about furthering the revolution right. of Jesus Christ. And so it's it's very crucial to not only tell the vision, but to remind of the vision and to take the organization with you. Yeah. So it's not you know me and my my wife on the promised land saying, man, y'all should come check it out. Yeah. It's all of us going together. On That's so good. Yeah. And I was going to ask you about that, um, about communicating the vision to other people. Um, because I, I recently read, you said ownership and I, it reminded me of the book, uh, extreme ownership. Um, mm-hmm. It's about these, the, basically these, it's uh, two Navy SEALs who basically um, they tell of the, uh, uh, of the ownership that every single SEAL has to um, take in a platoon. I, mean, I got to check that out. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a great book, man. And he applies it to, you know, different like business mm-hmm. applications and stuff like that. Um, basically, it's if, if one person in the organization fails, mm-hmm. um, it's, it, it's really on top of the, the person on the top because mm-hmm. he failed to communicate communicate sure. yeah he, he felt to communicate the vision and and and, and this is this is this is the way that we do things and and um i think that's a really big aspect of it is is having people on board with the vision because if they're on board with the vision and they see it and they see where where you're trying to go um everything that they do it might be it might be something that that doesn't necessarily need my approval as, right. as a pastor but I, I know that you're on board with the vision, so everything that you're going to do is going to be towards that right. that vision. Um, what about um, just kind of just throwing a cur- curveball at you? What about when when people just aren't they're not on board with the vision? Yeah, uh, th- there's a lot of people that they kind of acquiesce, right? right. They, they they kind of like okay, like sure, I'll, I'll vote for it, mm-hmm. but I'm not really I'm not like a strong supporter of it. Right. I'm just going to kind of go along with it. Um, those people, I, I don't, I haven't decided yet. I don't know if I want that, <laughs> right. or if I want someone to say, if you're not, if you're not fully committed, uh, don't vote for. It. I mean, no, right. no, no hard feelings, but yeah. um, I want people that are like as passionate about about it as I am. Right, right. Uh, right. And so I don't know. What, what do you, what do you, you think know, about that? That was one of the greatest lessons I learned in almost three years of pastoring: is do the hard things first. And so for me, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna gain some value with the people, this that, and the other, and that's very important. But what I saw is I gained value with the people, the people that were contrary to the visions and callings that God had placed upon us as the leaders of the church, also grew in their voice. Mm-hmm. And so what I saw is there's people you have to repurpose and reposition, and there's people you have to remove. Yeah. And so if they are constantly against what God has placed inside of you as a leader of the church. You have to say, hey, I love you as a brother and sister in Christ, but if you can't submit to me in leadership, I bless you. Go to a church where you believe in leadership and follow them. Because I was wasting more time trying to get people that were going the opposite direction than being able to lead and invest to the people that were going the right direction. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, a lot of times we uh, we, we spend more energy on, on yes. kind of the negative um, that by the time we're, we're kind of done with that, we're putting out that fire, we don't have any energy to focus on, on moving forward. Yeah. Uh, so, man, that's that's so good, man. I, I really appreciate that, that insight. It was, a, it was a tough lesson I learned. Oh, man, it, it sounds tough. Yes. <laughs> um, but, um, man, that, that, that's, so, that's so good, man, and I really appreciate all this this insight um, with uh, 
with vision, man, and, and I I know that vision is really important. And, and we're, do you do you have a you have two books? Is one of them on vision? <laughs> no. So I have the the first book, which is called "Change the World, Become a Revolutionary." Okay. It's a forty uh, it's a forty day devotional based out of First Second Timothy for young people on how to own their faith and uh, and change the world where they're at now. Not not when they graduate, not when they get a degree, not when they're given a title of ministry, but right now, what can they do? And then the second book, which I just released in December, is called uh, Leading the Revolutionary Generation. Okay. And so it's better helping the past generation better understand and empower the next generation. Okay. Okay. So on the cover of my book, I, I have a flag. And so the idea, the premise there is that the last generation, the previous generations, are the flag bearers. Another word for the flag bearer is a standard bearer. When you were in a war in the old times, they would have the person with the flag at the front line so that people, when they were going this way and that way and they were fighting the battle, they always knew where their team was at. Wherever the flag was at, they knew that was the direction of the battle. They knew they could go there and have people that loved them. That's why they called them the standard bearer. We need the past generation, the generations that honored holiness, generations that honored a passion with God to be the standard bearers for the next generation. So many of the old generation have told me, when you cross to the promised land, don't forget us. My response to them is, we can't do it without you. Mm-hmm. And it's an understanding of this multi-generational God and how he takes us from point A to point B. Right. And so it's this understanding. You know, the, the, the last word I heard it said at a conference, and it so resonated with me. Um, do you know what the last word in the Old Testament is? In the Old Testament? Oh, what is it? I don't know. The last word in the Old Testament is Curse. Malachi 4.6, oh, okay, yeah. God said, the heart of the fathers will turn to the heart of the sons and the sons to the fathers, or I will strike the earth with a curse. The enemy knows the best way to mess up the earth is not for him to do it because he can be stopped, mm-hmm. but it's for him to hold God at his word and to keep the generations divided so that God has no choice but to do what he said mm-hmm. he would do. Yeah. And right after the last word of curse, we have 400 years of silence right. before the New Testament. Right, right. Oh, man, that's good. Um, I have to check out those those books, man. Are yeah, they... I'm sorry, I should have brought them with me. <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. I, I, I know, I, I guess I got the words, uh, I guess I, I was I was confusing revolutionary with, I guess. Visionary. Visionary. I was like, hey, okay. They're one in the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, as a revolutionary, you have this vision of what could be. Maybe not what is, but what could be. And I think that's the power of prayer. Prayer is not to get what I need. Prayer is to get what he sees. Right. Because if I agree with him, that's the place of power. The, the faith only works if it's in agreement with him. So for me to be a revolutionary... It's not this, you know, check it out. I'm trying to, you know, overturn the government. I'm trying to see Christ's prayer answered of his kingdom come and his will be done. So what does this look like? Maybe it doesn't look like a, a, a different leader in authority, city, mayor, governor, president, but maybe it just means them being on fire for God. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not I'm not for a specific party. I'm for the kingdom of right. God. And so regardless of who's leading, I want them in love with Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Man, Mike, thank you so much for... Uh, for coming and, and sharing such great insight, oh, wisdom, love it, man. I, I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this. Um, we need a we need a uh, we need a generation of visionaries, man. Yeah. And um, you know, I, when I think of visionary, I think about I think about you because I, I think about <laughs> all the things that you've done, and and you're such a great communicator, and and you you can communicate the vision well. That leads me to another question that's not on on our notes here, but um, what about when you're not a good communicator? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But you have the vision, yes. and um, it's just 
It's just, uh, it's just you have a hard time maybe expressing it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I know there's people like that. What, what, what would you recommend? You know, for me, communication has been a great grace where for 15 years it was a great dread. Mm-hmm. And so I thank God for that, but I never take it for granted. So I tell people you don't have to be a great communicator to be a great leader or visionary, but you do have to be passionate. And so there's two things that will help the worst of communicators, and that is statistics open eyes and stories open hearts. If you can take statistics and stories, you can communicate any vision. Statistics means it's a reality. The thing I love about numbers, the Houston Rockets are are one of the preeminent organizations in statistics. Numbers don't have emotions. Numbers aren't going to lie to you. And so what happens is statistics will tell the story of the need for the purpose you have. But your story will open people's hearts. People give to vision more than they give to need. It's not, oh, you know, we need to keep the, the lights on this or the other. What what change are you bringing that will compel me to give and to support, whether by name, by word, or by finance, to do what you're doing? So if even the worst of communicators can use statistics and stories, you have the opportunity tied together with passion to get across to anybody. Yeah, I, I've seen that firsthand. Um, we had our, our, our banquet for, for the Go Movement and... Uh, you know, th- there was plenty of statistics that I kind of thrown out there, but it, it would have really just, you know, put people to, to sleep, you know. And, you know, I put, I put a little bit of it, but For sure. more of it was, was stories. And I, I learned that um, from Scott Harrison from, from Charity Water. Okay. Um, I, I listened to a podcast, and I, he, he has a book, uh, I think it's called Thirst as well. Um, I mean, he, he, he's built this, this uh, multi-million dollar, yeah, yeah. Uh, nonprofit. And... Um, but one, one little nugget that I, I took from that podcast was that he always just tells stories, yeah. you know, because stories really people are intrigued by by people's experiences. Mm. Um, and he could he could go in there and he can say, you know, um, this percentage of people in, in, in these third world countries, they don't have they don't have water. But that's that's not really going to you know penetrate yeah, the heart. For sure. It's not going to resonate. The yeah. Same way. And, and so yeah, experiences uh, you, you put he tells he tells a little uh, a story of a. Of a little girl, and and what happens when when he says that? Well, you start thinking of a little girl, yes. and, and and it might be like for me when someone says little girl, I I think my daughter, you know, yes. and, and so and then and then you make her the victim of that story, and it's like so heartbreaking if if the story ends, you know, bad tragically, yeah. um, and so I think people can definitely relate to those uh, to stories much better. So that's 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 great. Um, I would always I would always tell people to. Uh, you know, be be a good storyteller yes. before before anything else, man. That's- and, and you know, people respond to passion because it's yes. such a, you know, it can be such a plastic um, generation how they position themselves through social media. When you get a person that's passionate, I mean, it, it, it can turn it can turn a whole. You know, turn a whole generation on fire. Yeah. Um, one of the things we're doing that, that the Lord has called us to and really passionate about is our incubator. And so we're investing into nonprofits. And so the way I, I position it, it's not very, uh, it's not very um, you know, churchy. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the, I, I tell the organizations we work with, I picture myself like, have you seen The Dark Knight with Batman, yeah. the movie with Joker? So you know, you know the scene where Joker is in the, uh, is in the hospital room with Two-Face, mm-hmm. and he puts a gun in his hand and says, I just want you to cause a little chaos. I, I think in generations past, um, the only way we would help other people was if they took our name, our brand, and extended our fame. What we do in Uprising Society, 1 Corinthians 12.4, is that we all, we are, all have different gifts, right. but same spirit. 
So what unites us is on the inside, not on the outside. So the more different we are on the outside, the better, because we can reach a different group of people. My goal is to put a weapon of revolution in their hands and say, just go cause a little chaos. Mm -hmm. Just go into the kingdom of darkness and push it back, whatever way, form, or fashion. And because they have the freedom to do what God's told them to do, but they have the resources and best practices that comes from the experiences and failures that I've had. Yeah. Man, so good, man. Uh, Mike, thank you again, man. I I think that's pretty much our our time i do want to i do want to ask you one more thing just since you uh you, you said that uh you're a big reader i don't know if there's any any books that you would recommend to the to the audience on uh, leadership or vision or yeah, anything, anything man there's a there's a lot of great books one of the really one of the the most life-changing books for me other than the scriptures of course is a book i read um this is Goodness, let me see. This was about a year ago I read this book, and it is a book that's been read by many leaders, mm-hmm. but it was so life-changing. I mean, I, I read it through tears and brokenheartedness wow. and repentance, and it is a book called uh, – sorry, give me one yeah, go second. Ahead, man, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. So um, there's this book I read. It's called Ordering Your Private World by Gordon McDonald. And it was such a game changer for myself. There's other pastors that, that talk about the book there also. But um, it, it talks about this pastor who in his, in his early 30s had accomplished a lot, but hit burnout. And so this burnout so changed him because he saw things were out of order. And I think it was Kristen Kane who said, uh, burnout is not doing too much. Burnout is doing things out of order. And so there's a value, especially for entrepreneurs, especially for entrepreneurs that steward multiple companies, of being able to steward what God has called you to do and being able to steward it. Well, a lot of that goes back to processes, but a lot of that also goes back to health. We in our family now, we practice a weekly Sabbath where it's more in the spirit of Sabbath, kind of like Jesus said where we rest. We take 24 hours, no work being done. We spend time with the family, love on each other, enjoy each other. And uh, that has that so re-energized us. I come back the next day full of vision, ready to do what God's told me. But ordering your private world by Gordon McDonald is a, is a game changer. Heck yeah, man. I'm always looking for my next book. Yes. Especially if it's on Audible. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right, man. Well, um, Dude, thanks again so oh, much for pleasure. for coming. It was such an honor having you on, man. And uh, yeah, the honor is all mine, man. You know, Anytime. I really appreciate your insight, and I, I don't know if um, you have any any resources to send people like uh, to, to get in contact with you. Yeah, 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 for sure. If you want to go on microsis.org, Mike R O S A S dot org it has our it has our books on there we, we do a weekly devotional and uh we just have a ton of resources to be able to help the body okay awesome microsis.org awesome bro uh well thanks man thanks oh, again for, for coming on and um hopefully we'll we'll do it again sometime that would Next be time. incredible i'd be all honored right. all right brother god bless you man all right thank you all right, guys, that was my interview with Mike Rosas. Um, such incredible insight that he shared with us today. If you liked today's episode, I want to encourage you to go over to iTunes. Go to your Apple Podcast app and under leading, leave a rating or a review or a, a rating and a review. Those uh, really go a long way for, for us podcasters, so I'd really appreciate it. We continue to grow our listener base, which is great, but it doesn't really reflect Uh, that in the ratings and reviews so um, if you're enjoying the content uh, please go over and uh, leave a rating review we'd really appreciate it and engage with us on social media on facebook Um, we would love to hear 
from you. And if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, if you want to be on the show, uh, you can email me at John Ryan at leading podcast dot com again that's john ryan at leadingpodcast.com all right guys um i'll see you next time god bless you